Welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast of words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. These are the votes from the Finnish jury. Hello, Ireland. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Hello, hello Finland. Helsinki. It's not Helsinki, but hello, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what, are the, what are the votes of the Helsinki or the, the Finnish jury? Uh, the Finnish jury have voted 12 points dues point for Ireland. No Woo! <laughs> Chance would be a fine because thing. A, Ireland never gets to the final, and B, Finland never gets to the final. So, <laughs> Except that one time, 2004, I think, with Lordy. Do you guys remember Lordy? Do I remember, remember Lordy. Yeah, great song, great song. There is a statue dedicated to them in Rovaniemi in uh, Lapland in Finland, where they're from. And I've seen it, and it's pretty sweet. That is really cool. Imagine if we had yeah. like a statue of Johnny Logan. We should. Listen, we should have a statue of Johnny Logan. We should. We should have two. <laughs> like, so there's a statue of Joe Dolan in Athlone. Mm-hmm. And Joe Dolan, as far as I know, didn't win no Eurovisions. Johnny Logan has won us two and also three because he wrote that Lindbergh song. I hate to middle and explain you, Garajean, but I think the statue of Joe Dolan is in Mongar. Oh, it's all the same, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's all the probably. one. Like, <laughs> what is the difference? <laughs> anyway, so, so anyway, back to our very long intro. This might be yes. the longest intro across our two seasons. But it's Misha Emer Duffy. August is Misha Darkoche. And it's Misha Garrity McAvoy. And you're very welcome to today's European uh, or this today's episode is a slightly European slant. Specifically, our b- beloved co-host Garrity is currently in Finland. Hello. But in, in Finland, obviously, there's where where Finnish is spoken, but also. Where, as a minority language, Swedish is spoken by the Swedish-speaking Finnish community. Exactly. And I'm actually calling uh, today from Borovo, or Borogo, as it's called in Swedish, which is, um, there's about a 30% population Swedish speakers here, which is pretty high for like a larger city um, in Finland. And uh, I bought coffee and a Finnish cinnamon bun this morning in Swedish and I was so happy with myself. So yeah, it's a pretty Swedish-speaking town as as Swedish-speaking towns go in Finland. So how did this all come about? How did a bunch of Finns end up speaking Swedish? <laughs> Let me take you back to the 17th century. No, um, <laughs> so uh, for those of you who aren't aware, Finland uh, up until uh, 1917 uh, was, um, you know, not independent. So uh, in 1917, uh, uh, Finland uh, gained independence uh, from Russia. But prior to that, it was part of a Swedish, uh, I guess, empire. Um, And it was owned by what is now Sweden, so the Swedish monarchy. Um, And in that time, a minority of people from kind of Sweden, uh, the move to Finland, but also the language of like um, administration was very largely Swedish um, at that time. So uh, while the majority of people in Finland spoke Finnish because Finnish is an insane language, uh, nothing like Swedish. So it's not like a crossover that you could do quite easily. Mm -hmm. Uh, The language of administration was largely uh, Swedish um, and uh, up, up to now, then there has been uh, uh, during independence, there was a, a large movement of Swedish speaking Finns involved in independence. Mannerheim, who's a, a Finnish war hero, um, was a Swedish speaking Finn, uh, very much involved in Finnish independence and, and thereafter. Um, 
And yeah, so Swedish-speaking Finns are very much part of, of Finnish culture. It's a co-official language. Um, very often people who don't know will confuse a Swedish-speaking Finn with a Swede who lives in Finland or call them Finnish Swedes. They're not very keen on that. They're very much Finns. Um, mm-hmm. And they use the, the uh, what they would call it here, what in some countries you call the soccer debate, what in Finland you call the ice hockey debate. So when Finland and Sweden are playing Swedish-speaking Finns, shout for Finland always <laughs> um, so they're very much Finns uh, very proud of their Finnish heritage but also very proud of their Swedish speaking Finn heritage which has a, a long and storied history um, in Finnish history I'm seeing a lot of similarities here <laughs> yeah right? I mean 1917 independence to languages yeah, in the exactly. country language <laughs> of administration <laughs> sports rivalry it's really interesting because I suppose in the Finnish context and I, I use this term very lightly, that Swedish is like the invading language with inverted commas. That's not really how it's seen largely. But it, it's it's the non, I suppose, native language to Finland. But it's not seen in the same way that, say, English would be in Ireland. So Swedish is the minority language, um, whereas, you know, for us, it's it's Irish. Um, but uh, it's very much, there's, there's not very, in terms of, of, say, conflict between the two, uh, nations, while there is a, a rivalry, a kind of friendly rivalry between Finland and Sweden, um, there's not the same level of, of, say, rivalry, to put it politely, that one might see between Ireland and uh, our nearest neighbours. And I was just um, thinking recently, uh, encouraging the way, in um, in around 1830s and 1820s, there would have been more Irish speakers in the world than Swedish speakers. Yeah. And then there was a, there was a, uh, a a culinary uh, culinary disaster or the, uh, the, the, the fussy eaters suddenly put their foot down with too much and next thing you know but it's um so a lot of the, the arguments people would say about irish and kind of how it's you occasionally hear people say that ireland was done a favor by being given by having english kind of uh mm. um presented to us oh and definitely yeah we're really like we're really grateful for that one <laughs> And <laughs> I don't it, know how we're going to repay them for you know yeah, the it's, benefits they have bestowed upon our country. And it's so I mean, whereas you think this was the the Scandinavian countries would have have English as a very widely spoken second or third language, and yeah. they all seem to be doing pretty fine. Yeah, they do. Um, and a part of that, I suppose, is the the interconnected nature of of Scandinavian languages, with of course the exception of Finnish, um, uh, which is. Nordic language, not a Scandinavian language. Um, but yeah. uh, so the Scandinavian languages um, would be uh, Swedish, Norwegian, and uh, Danish, uh, and they're super similar. Um, so if you, for example, if I was reading, uh, so I speak a relatively decent Swedish, if I was reading something in Norwegian, I could probably get the general gist of it because the the um, language is very similar. Similarly, um, if you're from the southern part of Sweden and you speak Skåne, uh, you might very easily understand uh, Danish, even sometimes better than, than Swedish from, from other parts of Sweden. So it's very interconnected in one sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also... Because all of the languages and the populations of these countries are quite large, these languages aren't really threatened... Um, that much so most people at least in Finland most people I know are if not bilingual to a level where communication is not a problem um, so usually people can speak Finnish and English uh, like almost almost perfectly um, 
sometimes it can be very actually hard to even notice that a person uh, who lives here isn't a native English speaker because they have like flawless American accents. Mm-hmm. Um, for Swedish speaking Finns, they will be usually um, largely trilingual or uh, multilingual um, because, you know, picking up other languages isn't isn't very difficult. Um, there isn't much of a a problem with say maintaining languages so while media is you know they have their own you know tv channels and stuff they've you know their own pretty good uh, dramas and things um, they get dramas from other countries um, i'm sure most of our listeners have probably if not watched uh, some sort of noir uh, scandinavian crime drama at least they've heard about them Mm-hmm. But also they have a lot of English media too. So people are, are largely really, really fluent in English um, and other any other language what it is. Um, so for example, when I fly SAS, um, they uh, do they do the security announcement, you know, the you know, this is how you put your, your face mask on when it comes down and there's low oxygen pressure, whatever. They do that in English and then they say a summary will be followed in the Scandinavian language, which isn't a language, but they use sort of a common words in each language Ooh. so that everybody can understand, which is like really fascinating for me. Um, but that's because so they don't pick a conch. They don't pick a conage, they have their own... They like, use the kaidon. They use the kaidon, <laughs> exactly. Which is another really interesting um, avenue because um, when you talk about languages, it's very actually hard to define what a language is versus a dialect. So um, while Swedish is defined as its own language, it's so similar to Norwegian that it could be argued that Swedish and Norwegians are and Norwegian is dialect is a dialect of one language, say a Scandinavian language, but that's not its how it's how it's seen. Um, I read a really good piece at a conference one that said a language is a dialect with an army, and that's how you decide what a language is and what's a dialect. Oh. But for some people, dialects are you know some, sometimes in some languages, dialects are completely incomprehensible to each other, but sometimes languages are completely comprehensible to each other and i would include in that like say german is really similar to swedish apparently i don't know i don't speak german this is that's that's really interesting because i remember i was yeah. at a, i was at a wedding in germany it was in bavaria and they were very kind of they were very proud of their local i guess their bavarian connections there was an, an austrian at the at the table and they were effectively saying that he was like um his german was gibberish to them and then when they spoke to him they found it easier <laughs> to speak to him in english yeah, exactly. And that's that's often the case with with some languages that if you have a different dialect, you know, it's easier to speak, to communicate in a third language because your dialects are so foreign to each other. Um, whereas, like I said, for, for SAS, they use this thing called the Scandinavian language. And I mean, I've never had a situation on, a, on an SAS plane, thank touch wood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> touch wood. Those, those services have been needed to be used, but everybody seemed to be nodding along and pretending that they understood what was happening. So yeah, it's really interesting. That's really cool. Actually, one thing that you touched on there, you said that um, when they speak English, they have, like, you wouldn't realise that English would be, like, a, let's say, a second or a third language, mm-hmm. these Finnish people. But then you said they have, like, these flawless American accents. Yeah. Is that maybe a thing, like, we see in Ireland where it was, like, almost a Sesame Street effect, where, like, kids were growing <laughs> up watching, like, American TV? Like, do they call the last letter in the alphabet Z or Z? Um, oh my God. <laughs> have you ever had anybody? <laughs> I have no idea. See, they call, now, they call a H an H. And Ooh. somebody corrected me once because I was explaining hurling to them. And I was like, oh, the like the goalposts are shaped like a H. And this person who <gasps> shall remain nameless, who is a Swedish speaking Finn, his first language, not English, my first language, English. He was like, 
it's an H. And I was like, bro, <laughs> get out. It's clearly um, Lasse. But I, think I was, I was going to say, Lasse. <laughs> okay, okay. Relationship but, is still no, was, going strong, yeah. touch wood. <laughs> but he does call them herbs instead of herbs. And I have yet to beat that out of him. So I'll get there eventually. But that, that annoys me a little bit. But um, I think it, it might be, I've heard that there's like a Peppa Pig effect in like Australia and the UK or the US as well, that all of these little kids have British accents because they're watching Peppa Pig or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um I think a lot of it would be that, that they're learning kind of how to pronounce words in an American way. So um, I also know somebody here who's married to an Englishman and she has a flawless English, English accent. But otherwise, it's usually an American or American-esque accent. Um, I think I see it much more with Swedish-speaking Finns because I think the sounds in Swedish are much more similar to... English and it's very common like if you take for example Alexander Skorsgård who is that really hot actor from Sweden um, he has like a flawless American accent Um, so it's very common for Swedish speakers to have the American accents I think usually with a Finnish speaking Finn they would have more of like a standard Finnish-esque accent Um, but yeah it is something I guess that comes from the similarities between Swedish pronunciation and maybe English and then also the fact that like they don't dub media here unless it's for kids um, if so it's like a matinee of a movie or it's on during the daytime for like, ch- children's television everything is subtitled and not dubbed uh, so they get, have access largely to American uh, media so maybe that's where it's coming from Anytime anybody says you know like a TV or film or whatever has been dubbed all I can think of is you know when they play Harry Potter on TG Carr Yeah <laughs> And it'd just be really badly dubbed into Irish. <laughs> but like dubbing is really hard. Like it's it's impossible to get, like you can't get the shapes properly. So I don't, again, I don't really, uh, they, like I said, they don't dub anything here. So like I don't have to sit through like um, finished content usually. Although I did last Sunday, I did try to watch the Bratz movie that was on TV before I realized that it was... Uh, in Finnish and I was horrified and then I was like yeah because this movie's for children like yeah, <laughs> there you go now, when I think of dubbing I always, I always think of the kind of the um the early Jackie Chan films when um oh, yeah uh, especially the ones when yeah, it's they've they've been dubbed and his characters are usually just called Jackie Chan in them <laughs> in the like police story and things like that and then like when Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon is shown on tv and it's that's one of my favorite films but when it's shown on tv it's usually dubbed as opposed to the subtitle version the dubbing does take some of the the magic out of it yeah, yeah it's yeah. difficult to watch something that's been dubbed. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when we used to live in Spain, you'd be thrown on. like You're like, oh, the Simpsons are on, whatever. We'll throw it on for 20 minutes, half an hour. And next thing, the whole thing is dubbed in Spanish. And like none of the voice actors match up remotely with any of the characters. And it's just, yeah. it's a struggle to kind of sit through. And also the songs aren't dubbed, which make which is really chaotic because you're watching The Simpsons in and it's been dubbed in another language. But then when, when, when the monorail song comes on, it's in English. <laughs> But sometimes they do though, because my one of my like best friends is a, a Finnish speaking Finn, and I remember watching like The Lion King or something with her, and she was like, I, she'd never heard Hakuna Matata in English, and she was like, what the hell is this? Like, so when they watch those Disney kid movies, like they're all dubbed. So like, I remember watching a a video of oh yeah so it's the guys who do the voices for the Animaniacs because they're rebooting the Animaniacs and I was watching it with my boyfriend yeah I'm so excited oh my god okay (laughs) so I was watching it with my boyfriend and I and one of them switched to the wacko voice and I was like oh my god it's wacko and he was like I've no idea what you're talking about because he had watched Animaniacs as a kid but it was all dubbed like obviously because they dubbed children's media so he was like I mean it sounds weird but like I don't know what wacko sounds like in English and I was like what this is insane (laughs) 
Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale. The Irish are a nation of storytellers, and Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast, is having its very first live show at Bellow Bar on August 22nd. The Fireside Sessions beginnings will be an evening of folklore, mythology, some true tales, and even a few tunes. Sure, it wouldn't really be a session without them now, would it? Join me, your host, Kevin C. Olihan, and some very special guests of storytellers and musicians for an intimate and entertaining evening of what the Irish do best. No, not that, although we do hope there'll be a few of them too. August 22nd. Bellow Bar, Dublin. Tickets on eventbrite.ie forward slash the Fireside Sessions beginnings. Follow us on Instagram at Fireside Bard and we'll see you all round the fireside. Coming back to our Eurovision, so the um, Ireland's phase of Eurovision victories went from about 1970 to to 1994, which is about 24 years. We're actually 25 years away from our last win now. um, We're further away from the from like we we used to think that this is just something we had in charge, but now we realize the Irish kind of the Pax Hibernia in Eurovision was a, just a little blip in the history. And but since then, the the country that's most likely to overtake us in our most wins ever is going to be Sweden. It's I think Sweden are just the one one behind us now. Yep, they've got six. We've got seven. Oh, it kills me. <laughs> and this it seems the the Swedish overtaking Eurovision has kind of broadly corresponded with the end of kind of um Irish cultural dominance in the nineties, the amount of um like a successful novelists, comedians, uh um, films, uh, Oscar nominations, uh Booker Prize winnings. That's that's yeah. kind of phased that's kind of dropped down the same way that Swedish popular culture cultural dominance has really risen. Yeah. And the exactly. main person obviously Stieg Larsson was a huge part of that. And but the other person is obviously Max Martin. Yeah, exactly. So for anyone who doesn't know, Max Martin is like any pop song that you've danced to probably in the last like 20 years, Max Martin probably wrote that like or had some hand in writing it. So he's this like Swedish mogul who like writes music and uh, is like uh, anything he touches turns into a number one hit like. But also like any kind of sweet or any pop star that maybe you've been listening to in the last like maybe at least 15 years or so has probably been Swedish or, or written music in Swedish. So take, for example, Zara Larsson. She's Swedish. I think Lickie Lee is Swedish, possibly. Mm. But like, yeah, they've got like, they've got the 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 handle on like popular culture, particularly when it comes to music right now. And this is because I remember when there was some footage of, there was a, a Swedish royal family wedding and I saw it a couple of years back and I remember seeing it and watching it on television and there was a camera which Swedish prince it was and they were they were all looking very well. But then I saw when they were walking at the aisle with the, a lad started singing Umbrella by the Rihanna song Umbrella in, in <laughs> Swedish and I thought that's a mad choice. But then I realized, oh yes, well, Max Martin has obviously wrote that and it was a guest at the wedding and he's probably kind of coordinating this. I'm on his uh, Wikipedia page here and I am learning some things. I am getting educated. Girl. So, <laughs> right? I'm telling you. According to Wikipedia. Oh. Okay. Not really a reliable source, but we'll say no more. Hey, do not like, let our good friend Claire Murray hear you say that. Like, I'm very, a lot of things to say I'm pro Wikipedia, but mm-hmm. you know, you can't really be like, well, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> um, so, I want to just start, start reading this here. Um, he rose to prominence in the second half of the 1990s after making a string of major hits, right? Such as Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. 
Yeah. yeah, that was his like wow. first major hit. Like, and there's a really good. Both Derek and I have nerded over this like podcast episode by isn't it Hit Parade? Isn't that yes, the name of the podcast? Hit, hit Parade by Chris Melanfi. It's my favorite podcast, and it's basically a kind of a combination of ner- nerdy nerding out about pop music and nerding out about statistics because he's a, it's a history of the pop charts and what the the moves in the pop charts represent. Yeah, but the a huge thing was um, because Max Martin was a, a second or third language English was was low down on the, on the languages he speaks, which is a, a credit to him. <laughs> but he thought that like hit me meant like hit me up, as in hit me up, give me a call. So the phrase I can that is why the song is called baby one more time because I said it's one thing to sing the words hit me but to actually write the words hit me down are different Ah. yeah and I think it was TLC maybe that were initially offered the song and they were like no because it condones um domestic violence because that was how they interpret it and I mean I don't know if they're raging that they gave up on it now but yeah it's really interesting yeah and if you look at say say the song lyrics of like ABBA songs who are obviously famously Swedish um, mm. and like some of them are a little weird like some of them are a little strange but then again I mean I don't know if this is a if this is a, a chicken egg situation that either pop song lyrics are weird or they're weird because they're all written by Max Martin and therefore his first language <laughs> is in English so I don't know which is which which one comes first but um, mm-hmm. I think it's just yeah usually they just they're absolute belters and you don't really pay too much attention to what the words are English or apparently he is the songwriter with the third most number one singles on the chart behind only Paul McCartney and John Lennon. There you oh, have man, it. Oh man, that's insane. And they're on the go longer than he is. Like, yeah, you know, because well, we're not John Lennon. <laughs> <but> yeah. <laughs> he has co-written 22 Billboard Hot 100 number one hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Paul McCartney has 32 and John Lennon has 26. In addition, he has had the second most hot number one singles as a producer, 20, behind George Martin, who had achieved 23 by the time of his death. Presumably not the same guy who writes the Game of Thrones. That's George no. Martin, is it? I don't know. I don't, it, George I don't. Martin was the Beatles producer. Yeah. And so okay. they, they often call it the fifth Beatle. But the, the, one of the things Max Martin has made, uh, he's, he's studied music in, in intrinsic detail, but two things he commented on, which I guess come, come down to uh, the gradually enter the Irish language debate is, he said that lyrics aren't that important. They're not as important as a banging, banging tune. Yeah, they're really and, not. And secondly, and so then in a way that like almost trying to get the lyrics right is almost a distraction from getting the banging tune right. And then like if you're four vodka red bulls deep, like you're not dancing to the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but the whole put your hands on me, my skin tight jeans, be your teenage dream tonight doesn't mean anything. But you don't care about that when you're bopping. Yeah, exactly. I've never felt like a G6, but I bopped to that song. <laughs> I have no <laughs> yeah. idea what that is. <laughs> I mean, personally, neither have I felt like a plastic bag floating <laughs> exactly. through the wind. But, you know. Still bopping. Still you got to do what you got to do. And the other thing he said was that he owes all his success to the um, the Stockholm public education system, which gave every kid um, a good grounding in music music theory and gave and access to musical instruments. Hmm. Yeah. The idea was like he. I, mean, I don't think he went to university to go to, uh, to to study music there, but he got he got all his he got his musical training from public schools in Stockholm. And this is a thing that people, you know, when people go on to way it's taught and things like that, the I guess the you know music education is something that's really important. I was lucky that I did a bit of music up to um, junior set level, I think. Um, but in terms of being able to read music and things like that, and but that's those these are things that while a lot of uh, pop singers can't do them, the producers all can. 
the super songwriter producers absolutely do have a total um nerd out on on musical theory musical uh notation um identify pitch and things yeah and i'm actually going to go full finn on this now and say that um sweden's great but finland's better <laughs> because <laughs> the the so the education system in the nordics generally is like amazing um but it's best in finland just saying so the best place to get educated in the world is finland and we says i we (laughs) we have the best education system here but like it's pretty good in sweden too so they have this really weird thing in i mean it goes it's it's again it's this the way it's taught um a debate but the way it's taught anything anything you want it to be taught the way it's taught in scandinavia and the nordics that's the way you want it to be taught so they, they have this amazing education system which like as I said, like it, it renders people like fluent. And I, I've talked before about that, the, the, you know, the dichotomy of fluency and how I hate it. But for example, this morning I went and I bought a secondhand bike um, from a person who uh, I had been texting with her. My boyfriend texted her in Swedish or in, sorry, in Finnish to like arrange it. But then he wasn't here today. So I had to text her this morning and be like, hey, I hope it's OK that we speak English. Mm. Um, so I rocked up and she had brought a friend with her and she was like, this is my friend who speaks English a little better than I do. But then we had a full on 15 minute conversation about a bike like she was like fluent in bike terminology. <laughs> so, and this is all down to the the amazing, as I said, there's obviously loads of English media, but like they have an amazing education system here. Like they don't have, it's insane. They don't have curriculums, which blows my mind. Um, they don't have, like my boyfriend, for example, he would say that he never did more than about half an hour of homework a night. But everybody here has a master's degree because they're all free. And like you can do, so when I did my master's here, you can do like you can do an, so there's no such thing as a time pressure in an exam so an exam might have four questions and the exam could be four or five hours long so you have as much time as you need um and then you can also do the exam again multiple times so like if i do the exam once sometimes people will go just to get the exam paper and then leave sometimes people would do it once they weren't happy with the grade they'll do it again you can do it like five six times and they'll only give you the highest grade that you got like it's insane how flexible they are about things like it's just it just then breeds to people having like you said a really good grasp of things that like they do things like all of the lads who say that we should learn coding would love uh finland because they you know some kids learn coding and stuff in school <laughs> like some mm. of them learn mandarin some of them learn russian they all learn swedish as a compulsory uh subject which is sometimes debated not very well mm. but uh it's it's fascinating how just how accessible education is here like there's no pr- they, they kind of understand the fact that people have lives and sometimes lives get in the way of education so they make it so that your education is like, you know, it's available to everybody. Like the sweetest thing ever. Last summer I was here, I was working from the Helsinki City Library a lot. And I used to see this old man come in every day and he would just read books because the libraries, even the university libraries are available to everybody. So this old man was just like educating himself and he was so cute. He would like shuffle into the library and sit down and just read a bunch of books. And I loved him. I saw him every day and I just thought he was the cutest thing because he was just learning, having a great time so cute that's adorable i know so why why is it so so good i mean is, is it because they, they pay teachers well is it just is it the actual philo- philosophical <laughs> attitude to homework is it um is it something that that, that kicks in a primary level is, is it because i mean like finland has a very similar population to ireland and helsinki mm. has a similar population to dublin yeah and we kind of both came to arrived at statehood at similar top points in history um 
and I've, I, mean, I know obviously they they entered the recession. The recession hit them in a bad way around the same time that the recession hit us. But obviously the big thing was yeah. that in addition to the the global recession issues, Nokia basically got kicked in the nuts by the iPhone very hard, and they yeah. they, they went from being kind of the like they went from having kind of um, utter domination of the mobile phone market to being like yeah like utterly kicked on the nuts. So and. Like, what do you think is the root of the the Finnish um, the Finnish education system? Um, I think it's probably multifaceted. Um, so they're very keen. They're very proactive in terms of things like, for example, um, I don't know if there's a problem, they fix it. So, for example, there was a problem in the I think it was the fifties where people were dying of like heart disease. People were really unhealthy. So the government overhauled the way that they uh, provided meals. So theoretically in Finland, depending on your job, you can get fed by the state from the time that you're two to the time you die. So you can get a subsidized state lunch. Um, so for example, if I'm a student, I have a little card and I get a lunch for 260 and that lunch will include like all of my nutrients that are provided. And that's been the way. So that it would encourage people to be healthy. And I think I saw an ad on the radio or in the TV recently that said that they were like the second most active nation behind Uganda or something weird like that. But they're really, they're really proactive. Like if there's a problem, let's fix it. So um, that's kind of how they approach education. And they've always, always approached education that way that they have really high taxes. So teachers are paid really well, but also the attitude towards teaching is, and this is no diss to any teacher in any country, but teaching is considered very much a vocation here. So it's not easy to become a teacher. It's actually incredibly difficult. It's probably one of the hardest courses to get accepted to. So every teacher wants desperately to be a teacher and has always wanted to do that. So they take it really seriously. Um, and then each teacher has, you know, they've got a degree in pedagogy. You know, they, they fully understand um, sort of learning methods, not saying that other teachers in other countries don't like, but they it's treated in such a way that it's it's almost sacred. Um, and it's super weird because kids don't start school here till seven, um, like primary school will say they go to kindergarten and stuff but they don't start till they're seven which is weird for me because it's really late I'm like what are you doing until you're seven you know mm. <laughs> but they and they don't like I said they don't have a curriculum they have a lot of outdoor time but when they're outdoors they're learning stuff so if you had like a science class maybe you might go outside and you might talk about trees or something with kids or you know you learn in a very active way so they have a much more kind of proactive way to to education and like I said because they're not constrained by curriculum you know, there still is matriculation exams that people have to do, but how you get there is different. And then education isn't treated, so higher level education isn't really treated with the same prestige that might be seen in other countries, um, Ireland in particular. So the fact that third level education is available to everybody makes it less sort of grandiose so that it doesn't really matter if you don't go. There's other education avenues, you know, you can go to like a uh, vocational school and learn a trade if you were going to be a nurse you would go to one of those schools and learn a practical skill um, so it's much more because everybody has an education it's not deemed in this sort of like sacred well not that it's not sacred people do consider it you know important but it's, everybody can have it you know the amount of people who go back to education it can be really easy um, older people getting a, a degree is not a it's not a weird thing um, you know there's mature students kind of don't exist because everybody has their own story and tell me this, did the Finnish government put the Department of Education slap bang in front of a massive Catholic cathedral the way we did in Ireland? Um, yeah. I'd say probably not, yeah. to be honest. 
People always think it's super weird when I tell them here. They think I'm the weirdest thing that I went to a Catholic school. They're like, what? <laughs> like, tell me more about your weird life. <laughs> it's, it's funny because in, in, in other countries, I suppose, on one level, Catholic schools generally do have a reputation for strictness and for mm. and, and Catholic universities, especially in, university, in America, are very well regarded. But right. I'm, I'm guessing that there's probably some church state separation in Finland. There'd be a fair bit of that outreach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a fair bit. It's funny, though, because they have this thing, this separation of church. They very much do. It's a very secular state. Um, So what you do with your religion is your own business. In saying that, they have a bunch of days off during the year. So they're called flag days here. And they're the days when they fly the Finnish flag. Mm -hmm. And they have like a day off. And I'm like, what the hell is this random Tuesday off for? Because I don't, nobody tells me about this. And I go to like, go to the shop or something. And it's closed. And I'm like, why is it closed? And they're like, oh, it's, I don't know, the Annunciation or something like that. And I'm like, you people aren't religious. You just love a day off. And that's effectively it. They just love a good day off. And they're like, yeah, it's some sort of religious holiday. Let's give it a day off. I mean, that's relatable. (laughs) We all love a good day off. Yeah, right. I'd be on with that like I feel like we used to get the 8th of December off I feel like that was a day off when I was uh, used I to be, yeah. that, that's a cool she thing like yeah, <laughs> well, that, it's, it's cool she shopping over. days oh it just went up to Henry Street and Cleary's and Cleary's <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, I, I remember that it was just like this massive onslaught and and obviously people would have, have, have you know, um, people would come from the country, they'd, they'd have the crack, they'd all see each other, they do the Christmas shopping and it'd be, it was, I think the actual late late toy show was scheduled around it. Oh my god I love that. <laughs> so I accidentally organised the work Christmas party last year for the same night as the toy show. <gasps> yeah, yeah, what were you at? Like, yeah. come on, sorry, not going to that. Absolutely I was like, not. yikes, how did I manage that one? I was, I was a bit upset over it, I will say, but it's not mm. the same when you watch it on repeat on the Sunday. No, no, no. Oh, as somebody who's had to watch it on, on the player for the last couple of years, because it's on, I, I've been in Finland for it. So it's, it is the same, okay? And I've actually gotten yeah. a few Finnish friends into it. They, they think that it's adorable. And I'm like, oh my God, unreal. get ready to cry. Yeah. <laughs> Do they not have, that's what they're doing now. <laughs> Do they not have a toy show in, in, in Finland? No, they don't. And I have heard a couple of people say, oh, we should do that here. But I just feel like Finns are, if anyone's ever met a Finn, they're very dry. And I'm not going to say no crack because they are crack. But like, you got to break the crack out of them. They might not be able to warm to it in the same way. I feel like they, their big thing on the 6th of, this, of December, which is um, Finnish Independence Day, they all sit around and watch... Um, minor Finnish celebrities shaking hands with the president as they all go to a big banquet but you don't get to see the banquet you just get to see them all rock up and shake hands with the president ah. and I've sat and watched it and I'm like what is this like <laughs> although I did one year I did see the creators of Angry Birds which is a Finnish uh, app um, is Angry they, Birds Finnish? Like, it yeah. is Finnish girl yeah um, so <laughs> they, the creator or the creator's partner is somebody rocked up wearing like a big red dress that had like Angry Birds all over it it was deadly like otherwise I didn't care much for it yeah. <laughs> but that's the funny thing about Finland like if something is Irish you know about it you know Guinness is Irish because we tell mm-hmm. you if something is Finnish they're too shy to tell you so you're like, you just assume that it's not finished. Like, you would just assume that Angry Birds wasn't finished. But there it is. But Nobody knows. They need to market themselves better. They need a, a, a tip from Fault Ireland, who in fairness is, are pretty damn good. But this is also a difference between the Swedes and the Finns and that. One of the, actually, yeah. in, in terms of the kind of of smaller languages, the 
um, Swedish brands have actually made a very big point of using kind of uh, Swedish words. I'm thinking obviously of, of IKEA using Swedish names and kind of uh, because people associate kind of um, it with prosperity, with associate Sweden with prosperity and things being done correctly. The idea they can get some um, some some pretty uh, like. Uh, bog standard furniture slap a kind of a funny name a, a swedish name on it exactly. and people think well that's exactly. they, people find it reassuringly uh reassuringly teutonic yeah exactly and i think that's the pro i think Finns are just overall really really shy so they're too shy to say that that's finished whereas swedes are like they know how to market themselves you if you've ever been to an ikea i mean listen it's it's massive and it's blue and yellow. It's the Swedish colours. You know about it. It's got weird names on the furniture, which I might add are not all Swedish. They have a system for naming. And oh. some of those names, I can't remember which it is, but some category will say that it's frames or something are all Finnish words. But you wouldn't know that because the Finns wow. don't tell you that. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. They, so they have a system that I will say, for example, that like all bed furniture is Swedish words and then maybe all like kitchen kitchen supplies maybe are Norwegian words so they're big for like there's there's a whole thing and like I can't remember where I read it but like there's different categories for like different words and different names um but uh I know at least uh the sofa that we have is frihet which is freedom and that's Swedish so I guess sofas are Swedish words I don't know (laughs) and before we wrap up we're gonna ask you your favorite and least favorite um Swedish words oh wow um I should have known this is coming and I didn't prepare. <laughs> um, I think I like, I've talked about it before, Igakot, which is uh, the word for hedgehog, which is little pine cone, um, yeah. yes. which is super cute. Um, I don't know if I have a least favourite Swedish word. Um, at the moment, I tend to like them all, but my vocabulary, vocabulary is a little bit uh, limited. So I'll get back to you on that one. But I guess, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a Swedish word that I don't like. So yeah, far, I don't like the fact that that the, the common use for the word feminist or feminism is just feminist or feminism. Um, they, I did see something like kvinnors kvinnor, which is woman's woman for feminist, but that's apparently not used. <laughs> but I was like, that's way nicer, but it's a little bit mouthy. It's a little bit, there's a, a lot in that. Yeah, there's um, a lot to get your mouth through so, in that one. Yeah, yeah. so I feel mm. like feminist is easier to put in a hashtag. So yeah. <laughs> that's probably why they use that. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, maybe the fact that they... they they do use a lot of Englishisms in there. Same with Irish. I mean, I, I'd prefer they just use their own language, but I guess they're not threatened as much. Yes. Karajin, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, please do go back and enjoy the um, the, the wonders of the uh, Finnish countryside. Uh, give a reindeer a hug from us. Um, I will. Enjoy, enjoy the saunas. Uh, watch out for Yalapuki. And Yep, I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much Finnish culture I brought onto the show, but I, 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 I'm going to break everybody's heart, particularly Emer's, and tell you that most people in Finland do not live near where the reindeer live because most people in Finland don't live in the Arctic Circle region. So I've only seen a reindeer when I went to visit Santa Claus in or Yolubuki in Ravarimi. Realistically, we don't eat reindeer in this part of Finland, nor do we see it. Moose, on the other hand, yes. I love how you just assumed that would break my heart. <laughs> Well, I mean, I know how married you are to the idea that like reindeer meat is common here. And when I brought reindeer meat home for you that you didn't eat, I know I had to go to a specialist store to get that because it's really hard to get it in this part of Finland. I feel so bad. I was fine, staying I in Mammy and Daddy McAvoy's house in Port Leash. Well, in Timahoe, in Leash. It's in Leash. Next thing, Gargin is like, oh, we were having like smoked reindeer or something. And I was like, oh my God, what's that like? I was like, bring some home. And then, of course, Mammy McAvoy was like stuffing us full of food for the, what was it, two days we were there, like, <laughs> and uh, completely forgot that there was reindeer in the fridge. 
I didn't get <laughs> it's to fine, have I any. It. I ate it. I wasn't upset. Like I had it all oh. myself. I had it on a little roll with some like beetroot chutney. Like it was unreal. Ooh, it was deadly. Fab. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mm. care. But yeah, okay. I'm just saying that we don't we don't eat reindeer in this part of of it. Smoked salmon. Yeah, smoked moose. It's not that nice. Just moose meat. It's fine. It's Ew. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently you can uh, you can eat reindeer in leash instead. <laughs> Yeah, you just yeah. have to get it smuggled in through security. No, you yeah. don't smuggle it. It's fine. It's European <laughs> Union, pro-EU. And on that note, on that note, thank Garjin. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Kitos Tak. Okay. <laughs> it's a slon from me. It's a slon from me. And it's a tarara from me and also a slon. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please like, subscribe and review to Mother Folklore wherever you get your podcasts. The podcast is now in its second season and comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Network. Thanks to Brian for producing and Kirsten Scheel for doing the artwork. You can catch us on Twitter, on Facebook or you can email motherfolklore at headstuff.org. There are some other shows on the Headstuff Podcast Network which you might also enjoy. May I recommend Pints of Malt? which is a show about Irish lads of Nigerian heritage and talking about their experiences. If you're like me and you're a 90s baby, I would recommend Up to 90, where two gals talk about the 90s. Join us next Friday for some more mother folklore and fun. <laughs> See you then. Bye. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. They were like, you looked very pissed off. I was like, I was, didn't know it was visual.